0: Let us turn this afternoon to the church's confession as we find it in Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You can find it in the back of our book of praise on page 549 and following. We'll read from Lord's Day 33. Here the church confesses the following. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith, in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or on the precepts of men. So far, the reading of the Church's Confession. Following the proclamation of God's Word will respond in song by singing from Psalm 1 all the stanzas of Psalm 1 Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ Can you be a Christian if you don't demonstrate it in your life? Can you be a Christian who has experienced the new birth if you your life looks no different than it did before, or shows no difference from someone who does not claim to know Jesus Christ and has not been born again. These are questions that we'll give our attention to this afternoon, and they are, of course, very relevant questions that we all should be asking ourselves, giving our consideration and evaluation toward ourselves to see if our lives are demonstrating the marks of true conversion. For we all know that there are some who profess their faith in the church, who go on sooner or later to show nothing or next to nothing that resembles authentic Christianity in their lives. But if we don't give any evidence of conversion, then there is real reason to doubt that we are converted. In this regard, the catechism gives us a helpful description of what evidence one will give and display if they are truly converted. Others around you will not be as able as you to detect that evidence, not your parents' Not your teachers. No amount of meetings or interviews with the elders can detect it with certainty. Not even the highest-powered X-ray machine, if, if such a tool were ever invented, would ever be able to read it. There's simply no foolproof way to detect true conversion in someone else. We can n- never see what's in another person's heart but the catechism says that we can look for signs of true conversion it's not something that you have to wonder about your whole life you can know and you must know that you have eternal life as the apostle john writes in in the book of first john chapter 5 verse 13 I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. So there are things that we can know about our conversion and ways to judge whether or not it is real. And so I proclaim God's word to you this afternoon under this theme. True conversion is unknown unless evidence is shown. We'll see... How this involves first of all the putting to death of the old nature and secondly the coming to life of the new nature first we look at the putting to death of the old nature not only can we know that we are converted but the apostle paul in first thessalonians 1 gives us a picture a profile of what it looks like to be converted He writes to the thessalonians with great confidence that they are christians he doesn't question it he knows that they are christians well how well we read beginning at verse 4 for we know brothers loved by god that he has chosen you he brings in election here election is is a doctrine that that causes some, perhaps many, to fear over, over the uncertainty of it all. The seeming uncertainty of it. How can I know that God has chosen me? What if I'm not chosen? Well, Paul says that you can know because he knew. It wasn't a question for him whether they had been chosen. He says he knows this because our gospel came to you Not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. That was the primary evidence. They had heard the gospel. And the gospel had impacted their lives. It changed them. It came to them not only as intellectual words or as a collection of information, but it came to them deeply. They were convicted of their sin and of God's miraculous and marvelous love in Jesus Christ. That's how Paul could say that they were chosen. And in verse 6, Paul went on to say, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Spirit. That's an amazing thing when you think about it. In spite of the opposition around them, in spite of suffering that they had to endure, they welcomed the message of the gospel. Paul is writing to a church much like this one in many ways. And they would have read this letter in a worship service like we're doing this afternoon. And they could reflect on these things. These are things that happened to them and things that they had experienced. They could reflect on what God had done for them and in them, as can each of you here. They knew that salvation was not some pie in the sky message, not a cheap, just a cheap thrill. It was a message that came with power, even though it was accompanied by persecution it may well have been that that for them family relationships or or friendships were were strained and broken and torn apart because of their coming to faith jobs may have been lost no sacrifice was too big to make for the sake of the love of christ that they had come to know how wonderful it was for them to be called out of darkness into the light of Jesus Christ. They experienced joy on account of the word that they heard, Paul tells us. And he knew that it was obviously the work of the Holy Spirit to produce that joy in the midst of suffering. It makes sense when you think about it. For is not one of the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, joy? peace, so on, joy. That's what happens when the gospel is genuinely received into one's heart, joy. It's not a burden to serve the Lord, it's joyful. So this gives us some questions to ask ourselves, such as, do we wonder if we are converted? Well, have we suffered for the sake of Jesus Christ? Do we know the joy that comes from belonging to Jesus Christ? Have I suffered the loss of friends, the loss of anything? Have I faced any scorn that that demonstrates that God has chosen me? But there's more here in this text in 1 Thessalonians 1. If you look at verse 8, if you have your Bibles open, it says, the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. Well, That was another evidence of their faith. They didn't whisper the word in a hushed manner or hide their faith in in the closet no it sounded forth like like the ringing of a bell that's the idea behind the word paul says that it sounded forth and because of their witness the news about them spread everywhere what a a wonderful evangelism program that didn't cost a dime why were others talking about them? Well, not only because they believed something with their heads, but that it was demonstrated with their lives. They lived different lives. Verse 9, they, report, they themselves report about how you turned from, from, uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven what a beautiful verse that is when we look at that verse we find that that we find some there some special insight into what they were saying and 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 what they were preaching we hear about the the one true living god they were talking about the wages of sin for they talked about the coming wrath they talked about the resurrection and about Jesus return and coming Again, all of those elements of the gospel message were not dead or dry doctrines to them, but it was living truth. They couldn't stop talking about it. You want to know what someone loves, just listen to them talk. You cannot help but, but talk about the things that you love, what you love. But not only do we get a sense of of what they said, but we also get a sense here of of how they lived. What happens when one is converted? It's not just an an intellectual agreement. We find that it changes their lives. It changed them in this way. They turned from their idols and turned to God. You see here the power of the new life. This is why the Bible speaks of, of coming to faith as being born again. In John chapter 3. Because it's, it's a whole new life that arises. Where idolatry formerly had a grip on them. They turned from their idols and they broke free from their past and, and formed a new allegiance to God with the God of heaven, or rather, he with them. They turn from idols to serve the living God and to walk with his people. That's what conversion is about. It's a reversal of our life. Whereas we once were going one way, we're now going the other way. The Holy Spirit gives us that awareness and that strength to turn away from our idols. Otherwise, we never would and by that same spirit their hearts became filled with god their hearts were filled with the desire to love and obey him their minds were filled with the things of god and they were impressed with the works of god and with the commandments of god and they found no good outside of him well, as As we hear about all this this afternoon, do we see the same things happening in our lives? Do we see a break with sin? That is what repentance is all about. God says, turn from your sin and and do not continue in your sin. Repentance is more than sorrow or remorse. Repentance means change change of life from going in one direction now going in the other it's a breaking from sin as as david prays for in psalm 51 he's praying not only lord forgive me but also give me a new heart it is as the catechism puts it in question answer 89 as the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new describes what it means to be a new creation in christ it involves two things first the dying of the old nature and that's that's funny language but but entirely biblical the meaning is that we are to be sorry for sin to hate it to to shun it to run away from it it's more than just crying some tears it's an Inner attitude that is worked out in actions. Being sorry, hating the sin, fleeing from it. In the words of the public profession of faith form, this is what it means to crucify your old nature. Something everyone who professes their faith promises before the Lord to do. Well, children, you know how this works. If someone comes to you, and hits you, and then says he's sorry, but then five minutes later hits you again and says, I'm sorry, and then five minutes later does the same thing again and says, I'm really sorry. Finally, you'll say to him, yeah, right, you're sorry. Otherwise, you would change. If someone's really sorry, they'll admit it, and they'll recognize how awful it was, what they had done, and they'll st- stop doing it and they'll change their ways and that's how it is with christian sorrow. with christian sorrow that's why conversion is spoken about as a complete reversal because we were walking in one direction and now we we see that that direction is despicable not only to god but also to ourselves and so we turn from that way and we begin to walk in a new way So conversion then is not just a decision that's made once upon a time, as some may understand it. Though it is that, it is also more than that. It's also life change. This dying uh, to the old nature and the coming to life of the new nature is therefore a a continual process. And and the I-N-D ending on The ends of the words in the catechism, dying and coming to life. Highlight that very thing. It's ongoing. This changing has to keep happening. Well, This brings us to our second point, looking at the coming to life of the new nature. What is the coming to life of the new nature? Question and answer 90 explains that for us, saying, It too is continuous. It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. Well, this is important. God was once our enemy. He was to be feared. But Christ relieved us of that fear. So God is is no longer coming in judgment upon us, but he, he brings us salvation. Well, that truth is powerful when we digest it when we let it sink in it is powerful to fill our hearts with joy the lord i once feared is now my refuge well this means that christianity is not something that is boring but but truly wonderful and glorious as we confess each sunday our help is in the name of the lord the maker of heaven and earth. If those words ever hit us like they should, isn't that wonderful beyond anything we can imagine? We belong to this God, the creator and the one who controls all things according to his will. This great God is my God. Even even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for he is with me. Well, you want to know if you're truly converted. Ask yourself if you find that wholehearted joy, wonder, amazement, excitement, comfort, peace, and security in your life. Do you find delight in doing what God wants you to do? Well, if we love God as every communicant member in this congregation has all has claimed once upon a time when they publicly profess their faith and then they want to serve him will we not why is it that spouses make coffee for each other or do anything special for each other it's because they love each other or why will parents take care of a fussy crying baby even in the middle of the night when those screams may interrupt a a good night's sleep it's because they love that child well Jesus said if you love me you will keep my commandments that's how we know if we love the Lord Jesus it's not because on one occasion I I stood up in the front of the church and and before the congregation and before the Lord and made promises it's because I delight to do God's will out of love. What characterizes true conversion is a changed life. When the prodigal son, we read about earlier, came to understand what a despicable son he had been, that wasn't the end of his conversion. He had to pack his bags, say goodbye to his his former friends, his godless friends, and turn around and head for home and make that confession before his father, and then to have that feast with his father, and then to serve his father day after day in obedience, out of new joy. His conversion was that whole process, not just a decision, But that process that continued from day one to day two to day three and onwards as he loved his father and served him. So the crucial question that we need to be asking ourselves is not so much, did I publicly profess my faith at one time or another? When did I publicly profess my faith? That doesn't get at the most important thing. The most important thing is how am I living today? What do I see when I look inside my own heart? Do I see the dying of the old life and the coming to life of the new? Am I being daily converted? You can see all of this, that it is from all of this, that it is possible to be a, a member of the church and yet be unconverted. Some of us here may well be in that boat. The church here below is not, is not made up entirely of saved individuals. There are, as the Belgian Confession, Article 29 states, hypocrites who are mixed in the church along with the good and yet are, are not part of the church, although they are outwardly in it. And that's a sad fact to realize, but it is something that we ourselves Can realize if we see that our life is not changed while we might profess to be set free from slavery to sin that freedom doesn't mean going back to that slavery by continuing to live in that sin nothing would nothing would be more absurd as you know for a freed slave to go back to their slavery that wouldn't make any sense it shows that the chains have not actually come off, and and the slavery has not ended, and we're not actually free. And so, even if we are here in church each Sun each Sunday, even that is not a telltale sign of being converted. If your life is not changing, but by God's grace, He's brought you here again this afternoon. That you would examine your life and know that you, you need to genuinely confess your sins again and again. And turn again and again to Jesus Christ and seek his grace and salvation through his sacrifice on the cross. That's what turning to God looks like. And we can see evidence of that in our life. And if we can, then there's assurance in that that we are born again. For a true convert will show love for God and the fruit of faith. And by their testimony, by word and deed, they will show that, that there's something different about them. There will be a hunger. There will be an appetite for God's word as spiritual food for your soul. You die to your own strength and you bow before God in prayer and in humility, looking to him and depending upon his strength. The life of a Christian, then, is not one of ease. It's one of an almost unending battle, almost unending battle. for The the old nature doesn't want to give up easily. As one commentator put it, the old man shows a remarkable propensity For resurrection or a a remarkable tendency for resurrection it's like that that whack-a-mole game that you sometimes find in in old arcades and maybe still exists in in new arcades where where you hit that mole and, and that that pops up out of the hole and after you knock it down another one pops up or the same one pops up again that's how it can be in our life as Christians, in our battle against sin. And it will be until the day that our Savior returns to put an end to sin. So that's to be expected, brothers and sisters. We're not promised an easy life. What, what's important is that we will indeed be truly sorry for our sin, that it brings us again to look to Christ, our Savior, so that we confess our sin and, and renounce it, and see again, what God promises us is better. If we live a life of obedience, that it's better by far. Well, when we understand that there is an old nature and a new nature completely opposed to one another, and yet both existing within us, then it's no surprise that in our lives we will experience that struggle. If you don't experience that struggle, then the only answer for that is because you're dead or defeated already. But if there is that struggle in your life, then that's an indication that the new nature is coming alive in you, that there's a daily struggle going on inside of you that you do not want to do what is wrong, but you want to do what is right in God's sight. That's an indication that the Holy Spirit is working in you, dwelling in you, and you are born again. Well, it happens. We've all seen it happen all too often that as soon as one emerges from the gate, after making profession of their faith, they, they face plant into the ground, spiritually speaking. That's, that's predictable, the Bible predicts it. And that's why after one publicly professes their faith, these words from 1 Peter 5 are read at the, at the end of the profession of faith form, which read, after you have suffered a little while. So you're going to suffer, and that suffering may well mean that you will fall. If it could happen to David, and if it could happen to Peter, and many others all others apart from Christ, then, how, then it could happen to any one of us. But true conversion shows itself in how one responds to that, that inevitable stumble. For what, for, for what will and must follow is heartfelt sorrow, hatred of sin, fleeing from sin, coupled with heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and a delight to live according to the law of God and to do the good works that God made you to do. And what will, what will keep you going in this direction, in the right direction? Well, let it be this, that the day is coming when you will no longer be dying to sin, but you will be dead to sin. And you will not just be coming to life, but you will be truly alive with nothing to hinder you anymore. What a day we have to look forward to when we will serve God 100%. When that day comes, we'll see that we are no longer standing here on this earth, but we'll be in the glory of the Lord in the new heavens and the new earth. And so may God give us his grace and may we seek it again each day to look honestly, truthfully, accurately at ourselves and know ourselves and to know our God. To know that we are truly converted if we rest in him with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength. Amen.